building, nice and tidy. It's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday. Happy endings are the rule. So divide up those in darkness from the ones who walk in light. Light them up, boys. There's your picture. Drop the shadow. This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw, yes. Uh, today is Tuesday, March the 20th, 2012. That's right. Lots of rain this week. Lots of Republicans. The rain I love, the Republicans I love. Anyway, um... I shudder for my country when I hear those mean-spirited men. Never mind. Never mind. I I was so cheered up this morning listening to um, uh, Michael Moore. He was on Mitch's show at 10. I'm sure you all heard that one. Uh, Michael Moore says he's not a cynic. <laughs> I thought, well, maybe... Maybe I am. Cynicism comes when you're tired of being ashamed. Uh, but I've got to work on that. I've got to get uh, upbeat. Upbeat is where it's at, especially for radio. Uh, I was thinking with this election coming at us, I heard, I heard Barack Obama about four o'clock this morning. They were running clips of one of his speeches on, uh, one of the other radio stations, and there was much talk of all our uh, socio-political chaos and so forth. And Obama was talking to the people who had come to a fundraiser, and uh, the commentary dealt with the fact that he has only raised about half as much money as he has had raised at this time during the last election. And he kind of shrugged and... Uh, uh, he said, well, he said, he said, I know that you've all, um, you've still got those posters, he says. You rolled up those hope posters and you stuck them in a closet somewhere. I thought that's, that's about it. That's the way I've been feeling lately, you know, trying to dig out stuff to, to be, um, what is it to be cheerful about? A little flag waving here. Someone stuck a 10-point plan under my apartment door this week. Occupy Wall Street, the 99 percenters, you know. As Michael Moore says, the purpose of Occupy Wall Street is to occupy Wall Street, right? I think we should occupy any place where humanity is under siege or where we are threatened by this uh, capitalist cruelty or or by mean-spirited thugs, whatever you like. Uh, the ten-point plan I know you're all familiar with. I'm particularly fond of repeal corporate personhood and 
get rid of the Bush tax cuts and cut the war spending and, you know, Medi-Cal for all. And anyway, uh, oh, 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 dear. On and on it goes. Um, I don't know. I'm not going to run through this list. I suppose it might help to put some people in jail, but basically, basically, uh, I, that's not for me. I'm, I'm too old and, uh, too tired to go out and punish people. What I'm doing this week, I, I decided to go to the movies. Yes, God isn't dead. She's just gone to the movies. Uh, too much rain. I just curled up, watched the, uh, films on television. I made a list of, uh, 18 movies. <laughs> And they've, they've all, they've all gotten mixed up in my mind. I, I never get these things sorted. Uh, so British say, yes, we've got to get these things sorted. Actually, coming down this morning, I picked up the notes for three movies. I tried to narrow things down till they mean something. Let's see. I just thought I needed something to mention to you. So you might, might want to, to look for these pictures, in case you're interested, uh, uh, there's something called Game Change. Game Change. It's got a brilliant performance by Julian Moore as Sarah Palin. This is not really a satire. They play this completely straight. It's just, just a hoot. I, I, uh, I didn't get it at first, and then I thought, uh, could this be true? It shows the boys who, um, went up and recruited uh, Sarah Palin, you know, the governor of Alaska, and they they took five days to vet this woman, and uh, it would appear, yes, uh, that she, well, they created a monster. Woody Harrelson um, is trying to give her a little prep, you know, before she talks about international uh, relations, and uh, the look on his face when she fails to distinguish the role of the Queen of England and that of the Prime Minister, she apparently thinks we can just, you know, uh, have it on with the Queen. I I, um, I think it was, what is it, it was one of those movie moments that I would like to save. Woody Harrelson plays the the main man, the, the, uh, the guy who realizes that uh, he's probably made the greatest mistake of his life. Uh, anyway, that movie is called Game Change. If you're one of those political junkies who really doesn't want to miss a movie about politics, I still pick, my number one pick is always Bullworth. And then uh, there is a Frank Capra-esque movie called Primary Colors. Those are the ones that are fun to watch when you're watching uh, uh the election. I, as I say, I, I think I'm too old. We all know what the election is about, and uh, it's worth ten minutes of your time, and then let it go. Uh, the other movies I found. Uh, let's see, The Passion of Ayn Rand with Helen Mirren. Actually, that uh, it's rather a good film. Uh, hmm. I wish I'd liked it. Um. Talk about megalomania. Yes, megalomaniac women. Uh, Helen Mirren. 
does a, uh, a, a real tour de force as Ayn Rand and I don't know, I, oh dear, um, I, I have to, I have to admit that I think Ayn Rand is, uh, what is it, one of the most, one of the most confusing characters. Uh, I think she played games with language. I think that's what it's all about. She had this Nietzschean idea, something about the will to power. And of course, she's like all absolutists. Um, she applied the rules uh, to everyone else, not to herself, you know. When it was something um, she wanted, yes, she she advocated uh, what she called self-interest. She said it wasn't selfishness. She advocated self-interest. And the thing is that that was fine, uh, you know, so long as it didn't interfere with her interests. I think her... Um, summation of things is that when she dies, the world ends. That's what those folks think. Yes, it's the uh, God complex, I believe we call it the God complex. Anyway, she has an affair in this film with a uh, young psychologist who's 25 years younger than she is. And when he shows signs of developing uh, personality and character of his own and acquires a mistress, and uh, this, of course, interferes with their sexual relationship uh, uh, she blows up like a volcano. Anyway, it's the movie's taken from a book written by the wife of that particular psychologist. Uh, the uh, young couple sit down with Ayn Rand and her uh, husband, Frank O'Connor, and they demand that um, uh, they be allowed to have an affair. They're allowed to have, what, one afternoon and one evening a week. Anyway, the two um, spouses, the two partners... Uh, have to allow the couple to go ahead with this uh, <laughs> this nonsense. Um, they resist uh, first, call it insanity and so forth, but they have to put up with it. Frank O'Connor says that um, he has no choice. He's 54 and uh, obviously uh, it's economic determinism. So she makes the rules. It's, it's an interesting f- film, but uh, it seems to me that there really isn't too much of a problem. The portrait of someone who is completely selfish and who sets up uh, a cult uh, is nothing new. Um, actually, some people would argue for her. At one point, one of the uh, people at a lecture demands to know if she's the head of a cult. And she said she advocates individualism, so how could she possibly be running a cult? I think she was putting the world on... Uh, Especially, well, Atlas Shrugged is an interesting book, but uh, I think if you're going to be a megalomaniac, it's better to be a great poet. <laughs> yes, uh, Minichi or Emily Bronte, never mind, The Passion of Ayn Rand with Helen Mirren is an interesting, uh, interesting study in human psychology. I always like psychodramas. What do we do with the megalomaniacs among us. Do we help them or do we enable them or do we run away from them just as fast as we can? Uh, anyway, the third film, let me, let me talk about the film that I liked the best and that's interesting because it wasn't a very good movie. It's called Enslavement. The true story of Fanny Kimball. Uh, let's see, is that the exact title? Yes, I think so. Uh, 
it's said, um, yes, enslavement, the true story of Fanny Kimball. It's said because this is about good folks. Once again, you know, the best movies are made about um, people we love to hate. And uh, this movie is about a woman who makes Scarlett O'Hara looks like look like the devil of uh, Fanny Kimball was an actress, and uh, <laughs> she she married a slaveholder. She must have been a foolish girl, but in the old days they didn't have television, so she didn't know what the slavery was all about until she saw with her own eyes. Uh, the movie has the look of an after-school special, you know. Not very good production values, and... Some very naive um, little turns. I think the writer, the script writer, needed to needed a, a few courses in American history. Uh, uh, Gore Vidal tells us that movies may be the only education or liberal education that young people get these days. So this movie has to be one of the progressive efforts uh something that provokes keep the pot boiling here socio-political change uh it's a liberal education that's what i got <laughs> yes the whole notion of progress we thought that progress was something that was progressive right what's a conservative education Oh, right. A conservative education is what you get to teach you how to make money and get a job. Economic determinism, right. Imagine, yes, able to go into debt in order to get a profession by a job, by a profession, you know, something that uh, will enable you to rip off uh, people, let's see, and pay off that debt that you incurred in order to get the degree or the license or whatever. You know all that stuff. Michael Moore was talking about that this morning. That was so funny. Asking the people he was talking to how much it cost them to go to City College when uh, he was talking about when he was young. I remember you could go to... Um, uh, community college for nothing. I remember I, I went to Mills College in the 50s and I was horrified that it cost a uh, little money. I, I had to borrow a little bit of money. I paid it back at the rate of $15 a month for a few years. <laughs> anyway, uh, oh dear. Uh, I think the Fanny Campbell movie is the sort of thing that we could use these days. Uh, Trying to wrestle with the spirit of the age, the zeitgeist. Um, we need movies about uh, the way things used to be. I think that, in the main, the movies hurt the feelings of young people. Uh, I noticed that they're rerunning Roots. Um, uh, not such a good idea. Anyway, I looked up the Fanny Kemble Journal. It was a book written back in 1838-39 and uh, founded in Diaries of Women. And this and another book, uh, let's see, written by mm -hmm, um, Constance Wright, yes, Fanny Kimball and the Lovely Land. 
Right. That was published in 1972. So you can imagine that that one's a bit out of date. Well, you know, we'll see. Anyway, I may have time to read you some excerpts from Fanny Kimball's journals, but it's the kind of movie... uh, Well, Jane Seymour plays the central role. You know the kind of thing Jane Seymour is always doing. She's always playing noble frontier women, pioneers, doctors. Uh, Now, Fanny Kemble, in reality, was this British actress. Uh, She went to Philadelphia in a production. Let's see, she's shown doing Othello, and she meets a guy called... Pierce Butler, not Red Butler now, but Pierce Butler. That part is played by Keith Carradine. And uh, <laughs> he's not hes not <laughs> Clark Gable. It's certainly not Gone with the Wind, damn it. But, oh, why is it so hard to produce art when you need it? Why can't we find uh, the sort of, uh, what is it, producers... Uh, who can make brilliant films um, out of the good folks. It's such a problem. Bertolt Breck says that you can do it. Uh, I think of his play Mother Courage. That would be a play in which we see, um, what is it? Well, it's the ultimate anti-war play. But it's a little too, it's a little too harsh for most audiences. Anyway, the Fanny Kimball movie doesn't have, well, it doesn't have much takeaway for people like me, people who want something arty. Uh, I had to blush when there, uh, there's a slave woman, Psyche. Uh, she tells Fanny Kimball that she, Fanny, is as much the property of the massa as the slaves are. That's pretty likely, uh-huh. Anyway, the movie gives us Fanny Kimball in Philadelphia, and she's playing Desdemona in Shakespeare's Othello. And there she is backstage meeting Daniel Webster and um, the former United States President John Quincy Adams. Well, Adams uses the N-word to refer to Othello. says, uh, you know, Desdemona, uh, it's her own fault for marrying that dude, Fanny, uh, defends Desdemona's choice, of course, and uh, we see that she's a, a feisty rebel. Of course, in my history book, uh, John Quincy Adams, well, he's the son of Abigail Adams, and she was a firm anti-slavery advocate, uh, so I'm wondering whether or not that line fits. Uh, Abigail Adams uh, refused to have Sally Hemings in her home in London. She was so furious that Jefferson had sent a slave uh, along with his daughter, Polly. Uh, dear me. Anyway, uh, the movie, you know, the movie, movie has all those politically correct rewrites. And I guess, I guess, you know, maybe we do need help teaching children the way it's supposed to be. Shoulda, coulda, woulda. Uh, but, you know, the problems are shown, first of all, through the eyes of white folks. Uh, a few scenes 
give us a, a little more detail than uh, other pictures. I did like the emphasis on women. Now, that is something I haven't seen before. Um, we see a lot of material on childbearing. You know, that special form of oppression. Um, I see a lot of books on this subject lately. The ways in which uh, women slaves were exploited as breeders. They keep the institution of slavery going because the overseas slave trade was outlawed earlier in the 19th century. And uh, we see some dreadful, uh, dreadful scenes of the infirmary, um, the horrendous misery of lives without liberty, you know, uh, disease, neglected pregnancies, that kind of thing, the wretched child care. Uh, I thought of um, another film on my shelf, Amistad. Now, that one was all about male slaves uh, and their heroic resistance. You know, they took the ship and took off. And uh, that, that's, uh, once again, that's one of the uh, male or masculine or, or uh, dramatic pictures in which we see the guys fighting for freedom. Uh, Fanny Kemble is another story. Uh, she's really behind the eight ball. Um, I think most people will dismiss this film because of these flaws in the script. The screenwriter's portrait of, oh, the husband in particular, Pierce Butler. That's, I guess, sentimentality. Uh, it recalls the slave trader. You remember the slave trader who late in life repented his sins. He wrote the famous hymn, Amazing Grace. Uh, and here we see Keith Carradine late in life uh, weeping. Uh, he has divorced his wife and taken her children away from her for five years. And there he's uh, clinging to her in shame. Uh, now, I guess any movie about uh, the humanities, about our capacity to resist injustice, is worth supporting. I just, as I say, I just really hope somebody comes along and takes this story and does something uh, a little bit more stylish with it. Uh, it's so difficult to make a movie about... Uh, what wisdom about goodness. Anyway, I'm opening up my little book here to Fanny Kimball's journal, 1838 to 1839. Now, the movie dates the the uh, play in Philadelphia, which opens the movie, dates that 1846. Gosh knows, uh, obviously, people have done what they wanted to do with this. Uh, anyway... The notes that I have here in the journal all refer to Harriet Beecher Stowe's fictional book, Uncle Tom's Cabin. There's a lot of comparisons. Uh, you remember Harriet Beecher Stowe. She's the one that Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln said started the civil, the civil war in America. Today, March the 20th, is the day on which 
that book, Uncle Tom's Cabin, was first published. Gosh, I can't remember the year. It, if he says she started the Civil War, maybe it was 1860. I can look that up. Anyway, Harriet Beecher Stowe's Uncle Tom's Cabin is a much misunderstood book because, you know, somebody came along and made something called the Tom Shows. And those were full of stereotypes and hideous, uh, what is that, um, parodies. Uh, never mind, the Tom Shows are another story. Uncle Tom's Cabin was a story of a Christian slave who said that uh, the law, the law, uh, the law ordered that his body was property, but that uh, his soul belonged to God. And therefore, he would not do cruel things or uh, beat another slave. And, uh, you know, when you speak truth to power, in uh, 1860, uh, of course, your reward is death. And I don't know. I think most people uh, objected. The real objections to Uncle Tom's Cabin were that it was about a martyr, a black martyr. Uh, I still find it a fascinating book. And uh, the writer... Harriet Beecher Stowe did have a great many things to say about the lives of women. The book opens with the uh, scene in which we see a slave mother drowned her child rather than let it grow up as a slave. Uh, this ties into the masterpiece written by Toni Morrison, the book called Beloved, in which uh, a slave mother murders her child uh, uh, that's a Nobel Prize winner back in, what is it, 1993? All these things, no threads, ropes. Anyway, here, Frances Ann Kemble, born 1809 to 1893. Went to work age 20 to save her actor-manager father's Covent Garden Theater. She appeared as Juliet, immediate theatrical sensation. She disliked acting, believing it eroded the personality and that the stage was a disgusting travesty, in quotes. She wanted to be a writer. She had written plays and poetry since childhood. Her fame as a gifted actress spread. Anyway, here she is touring the United States. And she's courted by the wealthy Philadelphian Pierce Butler. Uh, she married him against the advice of her friends. He was attractive, well-mannered, so forth. And she wanted a chance to write marriage in trouble from the beginning. Fanny was a fierce libertarian. In England, she aligned herself with the working classes. Okay, she winds up on uh, this rice plantation in Georgia and is horrified, of course. She urges him to prepare his slaves for the responsibilities of eventual independence. She's looking on the bright side. Anyway, uh, at some point early on, she leaves him, uh, but she had given all her earnings to her father when she married, so penniless and pregnant. <laughs> she wound up in a Philadelphia hotel, finally returning to her husband. Uh, to try and make the marriage work. Okay, Fanny obviously uh, rushed into this. Uh, at some point in the movie, a doctor who is a conductor on the Underground Railroad says, well, if you're ready to stop being a dilettante and uh, you know, do more than 
work, well, do work that isn't just words, uh, uh, come on. And so she does get involved. Now, I have no idea whether or not uh, Fanny Kemble was really on the Underground Railroad. Uh, there's nothing in her journal that says so. They put that in the movie. Anyway, check out the journal of Fanny Kemble if you want a true story of a woman who lived in Georgia in 1838 up until the time of the Civil War. She managed to get home to England at the end of her life. Uh, maybe next time I can read to you about this wonderful woman, Psyche. Psyche is a character in Fanny Kemble's journals. A beautiful character that deserves at least a play of her own. This has been Jennifer Stone. Be back on the air next week at the same time. Till then, go easy. And if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. You are invited to mark your calendars for Students Rock Foundation's second annual benefit concert on Wednesday, March 21st at 8 p.m. at the Freight and Salvage Coffeehouse in Berkeley. Students Rock, in conjunction with Blue Chair Fruit and Divino Italian Restaurant, have put together a special night of music, comedy, and gourmet delights. The benefit features Kevin Beatles Band with special guest Bonnie Hayes and the Jolly Gibsons, hosted by comedian Jacob Rubin, with music ranging from Americana to New Orleans funk, blues to pop, this will be a great night for a great cause. Students Rock Foundation provides scholarships for Bay Area Performing Arts Enrichment Programs. Advanced tickets are 2050. For more information, visit our website at www.studentsrockfoundation.org or call 510-644-2020. KPFA, KPFA, Berkeley, KFC up in Fresno and online at kpfa.org. It's 3.30. Stay tuned.